Hello and welcome back um, to our podcast. For those of you that are very loyal subscribers and have been hanging on uh, by bated breath, waiting for this to come back, um, we appreciate that, um, both of you. And uh, we're glad. We're just glad you're here. Um, lots have been going on over the last little bit um, with both Michael and myself, and uh, and so it's taken us a little while to get back here. Hopefully. We can be better about getting into a routine, but we're just glad you're here and uh, we're still having fun talking about, about different things. So uh, it is a special Thanksgiving version of the podcast filled with uh, gluttony and good food. So, Michael, uh, how's, how's the tummy this morning down in Somerset? You know, fat and happy. Everybody's fat and happy down here. I couldn't couldn't be uh, couldn't think of a better place to be on the uh, on the morning after uh, this just kind of. Uh, uh, let it all let it all settle in and uh, have a little Bible discussion this morning. Absolutely, absolutely. So we have been here. Um, so it's been a while. So we should probably catch some people up and let them know what we're doing here. Um, so what we've been doing is looking at this idea of uh, you know God's men at work or God's people at work. And what we're trying to do is to take various Bible lessons, various Bible characters, and try to understand their story in their life. But through the lens of what are some business tips that we can take from that? Um, our disclaimer that we always give is the most important part of any scriptural message is the spiritual message. Please never misunderstand that. We touch on that a lot um, through this, but we're taking a secondary uh, lesson that's there. And that's just some business principles. These people were sometimes very successful business people. Sometimes we're very terrible business people. So we've just tried to learn their lessons and said, how can we apply that um, to make us better? Because we're, you know, when, when you belong to God, you don't just belong to them in a church building or at your house. You belong to them wherever you're at. And that means in business as well. So we want to try to take those principles and make us better stewards of the possessions that God has entrusted us to. And so with that being said, that's kind of what we're trying to accomplish. Michael, where are we going to try to do that today? So we're going to we're going to go to Luke chapter five and, and our subject matter um, this morning is, is is the apostles themselves. And we, we don't we probably don't think of the apostles as, as business people um, and, and rightfully so. I mean, it's obviously not the, the most important context that 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 we're given of their lives in Scripture. But we are given these glimpses into what they uh, into what they did. And, and remember that, you know, these guys had to earn a living also. And um, in, in Luke chapter five, we're, we're given this kind of fascinating insight into, into some of the apostles and what their careers, what their, what their vocations look like. And, you know, I'm not, not telling anybody anything they don't know here, but, but we got um, Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were fishermen. Um, and it was pretty clear from other places in scripture that they, uh, they, they had a kind of a joint venture. They worked together um, in their, in their fishing venture and, you know, this is how they supported themselves. This is this is how they fed their families. Uh, we know we know Peter uh, uh, had a wife, and and uh, we're, we're not given as much detail on the other apostles, but we we can reasonably assume they had some families to take care of, and then this was their vocation. And you know, the the lesson that we learn in, in Luke chapter five, I think uh, I think I've mis misapplied this passage in in the past, certainly. Um, but but I, I, I want to look at um, what Jesus does for the disciples in, in Luke chapter five, and 
really take the example of what do we what can we learn about how the uh, how the how the apostles how these four men treated this really unique incident in their business lives, and what are the what are the applications that that we can that we can take from it? So, Mike, if you allow me, I'll, I'll kind of put the context together here. <clears throat> In Luke chapter five, you know we're 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 early in the gospels, and and the the apostles have been around Jesus. Um, we we know all the way all the way back, you know these, some of these men were apostles of John the Baptist, and and then um, John pointed them to Jesus, and so they they have they have seen some of the things that Jesus has done. He's some of the miracles and some of his teaching, but they are not what we would call full time apostles. They they have been. Uh, following Christ and, and learning from his teaching, but they've been going back to their day jobs. So we get in this example and uh, get to this passage in, in Luke chapter five. And, and these men are fishing uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And we know that in verse three, one of the boats is Simon's. He puts out a little bit from land and we know that they fished all night. And Jesus tells him early in the morning, um, put out your nets. And Peter said, "Hey, we this this, this ain't a hobby. <laughs> you know, we we we've been at this we've been at this all night professionally. We haven't caught anything. Uh, I, I can imagine that was all that, that comment would have almost been a little bit um, offensive. Bitter. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, and like again, this 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 is my profession, Jesus. Like I've been I've been at this all night. It's not not because I haven't been trying." And, and, and think about, too, where, where we're at with their understanding of Jesus, right? We're, we're very early on. And it's like, you know, sit down over there, kid. You're a carpenter's son. You know, right? And just leave the fishing to the professionals. We know what we're doing. We've been doing this all night. Yeah, I'm not telling you how to make a cabinet, Jesus. Well, I, don't, I don't appreciate you telling me how to fish. And, and, and yeah, he said they had enough respect for Jesus that, that Peter said, at your word, um, I'll, I'll put out my nets. And so I'm going to begin reading in verse six and read a couple of verses here. And when they had done this, they enclosed such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat, talking James and John, and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, because I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and who were with him were astonished at the, at the fish that they had caught. And so James and John, sons of Zebedee, partners of, of, of Peter, were there. And Jesus said to Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And I have, I have heard that comment at the end of verse 11. And I've, and I've used that comment at the end of verse 11. They left everything and followed him. And... Um, and use that as a, you know, what a profound display of faith that these men, they left their professions, they left their possessions, and they just left it all and went with Jesus. And wasn't it a, wasn't it a remarkable act of faith that they knew that Jesus would take care of them, and they were willing to walk away from the life that they previously knew? I think in that analysis, in that in that analysis, what I have missed is how what did Jesus provide for them in that moment? And so, um, Mike, I'll, I'll turn it over to you um, at, at that point. So, so what what's critical about you know this uh, 
this miracle that Jesus provides for them. Well, I, what, what I think is, you know, again, that you and I have talked about this a ton in, in on this podcast is that oftentimes what we do when we read, read the scripture, especially if we know anything about it, is we read to the punchline, right? So we're going to skip over a bunch of stuff and get to the punchline. And the punchline here is, and they left everything behind and went with Jesus, right? So, you know, look at that faith. And I, I, I'm 100% guilty of this, preach the same lesson. You know, these men left everything and took a vow of poverty and left Jesus. But, you know, if you're careful, and especially if you're a nerd looking to do some math, you start thinking about, wait a minute, boys, you filled up two pretty good sized boats with fish, right? Let's, I'm just thinking about all the stuff that we just read, right? Not only did you fill the boats, but you filled the boats so much that they started to sink. Now, they didn't completely submerge the boats because they were able to get back, but you added so much weight to these boats that they started to sink. And I think part of what, what we miss too here is, I think sometimes we read that without understanding. We think they pulled back up on the beach with those boats overflowing with fish, and that's when they just walked off with Jesus. No, no, no. They dealt with the fish, right? So, and, you know, dealt with them, processed them, unloaded all of that stuff. So here's the question, Mike. And, 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 and this is what, like, this, this is the part that makes, I think, makes this story so cool. What's two overloaded fishing vessels worth? And, and fortunately for us that we, we can we can have some educated assumption of that without, without just me and you conjecturing on it, right? What do we know about, what do we know about fish that's required to, to submerge first century Palestinian fishing vessels? You know, I, I, my, my knowledge of that would be pretty shallow. So there, we would guess though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, we, we should, yeah, yeah, we would. So we, we stumbled across this pretty remarkable piece of academic literature um, and like many academic papers, it's titled horribly. I wish they would let you and I um, take a swing at titling it. But the, the title of the paper is An Estimate of the Value of Two Boatloads of Fish is Recorded in Luke 5, 1 through 11, which is pretty descriptive, uh, just not very imaginative as, <laughs> as, as titles go. And so <clears throat> give the background to this a little bit. <clears throat> There's really interesting um, discovery um, and not, not that long ago, a couple of decades ago, a few decades ago, um, along the Sea of Galilee, when, when the Sea of Galilee had receded because of a drought and the, and the level of the, the lake, level of the sea had, had dropped pretty significantly, it unearthed this kind of preserved um, fishing vessel. And, um, you know, archaeologists and historians uh, f- found and, and were able to unearth this entire, this entire boat and date it. Um, with some degree of accuracy. And it turns out that this is a, this is a boat that would have been from roughly the time of Jesus, you know, the early first century AD. And, and so it it is now on display. You can go look at this preserved vessel. It is uh, at the uh, Yigal Alon Museum in Israel. And it's kind of uh, commonly referred to as the Jesus boat, because this is a, this is an example of the kind of vessel that would have been used for fishing in first century Palestine. 
And so these two, uh, uh, there's a couple of people, names on this paper, Hauser and Hauser, they, they go through this really, really detailed analysis of if we assume that this is the size boat that we are dealing with, and we reasonably assume the uh, type of wood that would have been used to uh, construct this vessel, we can pretty accurately determine its volume. We can pretty accurately determine its buoyancy. And we can pretty accurately determine how many pounds of fish it would take to, to sink this sucker. And that is a really, really interesting, uh, turns out that that's an extraordinarily interesting calculation. And, um, and then if you know how, how much fish it takes to sink this sucker, you can, again, using some uh, materials and, and historical literature of the day on the rough estimate of a value of a freshwater fish in uh, Capernaum in the first century, you can get a ballpark estimate of the economic value of, of this miracle. Now, it almost seems crude to reduce this great miracle of Jesus to an economic value, but I think in this case, there's a reason to do it. So I'll, I'll, I'll let, you, let you tackle it from there. All right, so when we, when we start looking at this, uh, and, and, and again, here's, here's where we get lost, right? So we assume these guys, you know, hey, Jesus, you helped us catch some fish that we couldn't catch all overnight. And it was so many fish that we quit fishing, right? It's, isn't that kind of the way we've always read that? It was so many fish that we just quit fishing. We got sick of fish. It was so many fish and we quit fishing. Instead of, if we're honest with the text, if they processed said fish and that this was just their last day at work, then what was the economic value of that? And if there's an economic value of that split four ways, did these boys walk out on their job or did these boys retire? And I think that's, that's a significant, that changes a few things, right? Cause we learn as we read later in the new Testament, Peter, helping his mother-in-law and, and some other things that go on, we find out that Peter's got some wealth, right? Indirectly, as we, as we start reading this, and if you ever asked yourself that question, like, I wonder where, I mean, maybe Peter was just a really good fisherman before he met Jesus. No, Peter got paid today. And the wealth that we look at with Peter and those that he's able to support, I'm persuaded now after this economic data came from today. And Peter and Andrew and James and John went into retirement to follow Jesus. They didn't take a vow of poverty to follow Jesus. They went into retirement to follow Jesus and were able to do the things that, you know, were necessary to do over the next few years. Um, I think based on this, uh, and I, I hate to, <laughs> I don't know what other word to use for this, but it feels horrible to, to say that a miracle here like this but I, they made out based on this score, right? You know, you scored, you hit the mother load and they, they were able to, uh, to, to get away. And Michael, I'm, I'm missing it in the text here. I'm trying to find it, but what, what, what's the number? What, what's yeah, the, so, yeah. So if you, want to, if you want to skip to the punchline and, and by necessity, you know, the, the clearly very intelligent people who, who did these calculations, it involves some estimation, right? We, we, we know the size of this vessel, at least the one they use as their comp boat, but 
you know, and there's a there's a lot of room for error here. What kind of fish did they catch, and what's the value of that fish? And you know, there, so there, there's there's definitely a range. But if you want to look at what it would take to sink two boats and compare it to something that we could could have, you know, some frame of reference for, it's somewhere between fifty and one hundred and fifty years of pay. Um, to put that, and obviously that's a broad range on there a little bit, most likely between 75 and 100 years worth of wages. Um, so split Stop four ways. ways. Yeah, split four ways, somewhere between 20 and 25 years of pay. So, so you want to, again, kind of do our best to put that into um, modern, uh, you know, something we can get our hands around. Average, you know, take the average income of fifty thousand dollars. I think in the U.S., rough numbers, median income, um, twenty years wages would be a million bucks. Um, and so, again, think about these are probably, you know, I'm not saying these are subsistence level fishermen, but they're they're by no means wealthy, and each of them walk away from this incident in Luke chapter five as millionaires. Um, and, and so to me that, that reframes not only verse 11, but a lot of the rest of what I, what I think about the apostles in Jesus ministry is certainly it required faith to follow this, um, homeless rabbi, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, that it doesn't necessarily diminish that faith, but it does change that decision. Uh, it would have been wasteful and foolish for them to leave these fish rotting on the beach. I think we both agree that they would have, they would have uh, taken advantage economically of, of this. And, and that Jesus gave them the ability to, um, uh, with being a good steward to, to, to be while taking care of their families Jesus gave them the ability to walk away. I, I think that's what's remarkable. And here's the thing that, that I think, so how, how do we take this, this story and, and start to apply it to us? So here are things that, that start to come to mind with that is they could have very easily put this money in the bank from this big score and tried to build bigger barns, Right. Hey, here's, you know, we had a huge sale, but this was probably a one-time thing. We'll put that away to the side. But, you know, if we keep working and made what we made every other day on top of this plus interest, I mean, we could probably double this in five years, right? I mean, isn't that oftentimes the way we think that if we, you know, we hit a number and then that number, we think about how we can grow same said number, right? And we've had this conversation here before multiple times on the podcast about the difference between um, being, you know, optimistic or, or wanting to grow and being greedy, right? That's, you know, that that's that's a rub, I think, that we all have to have a conversation about and, and come to a point in our own mind and our own lives about am I, you know, am, am I trying to grow for the sake of growing to, to grow, to help other people, to help my employees and all of those things, or am I being greedy? Well, I think the crossroads these boys hit here is, do we keep working 
and, and try to double down or do now we have the economic ability to go into retirement and work in the kingdom. And, and there's a lot when we talk about this retirement question that I, I think are, are really hard questions and hard answers, right? Because there are some people that have worked their whole lives you know, for XYZ company. And then when they retire there, they want to spend their time, you know, on the lake or fishing or whatever, and want to retire from working the kingdom too, right? Like, well, I taught Bible class once a quarter when I was working, but now I'm retired from work and I don't want to teach Bible class either. I kind of want to be, be free from all that. These guys said we can retire to do more work in the kingdom, right? And so if God has blessed us with the talents and skills and abilities to make a living up to the point that we're able to retire, and we're all blessed at different levels, right? Some of us may be able to retire at 50. Others of us may have to work till we're 75. But at whatever point we're able to retire, in my mind, this lesson is about when you can retire, now you got to work in the kingdom. Because now you don't have the responsibilities of work you can use that same energy and effort that God lets you bless some other company with in the kingdom. Yeah, just it's remarkable when you think about it in that context is how did the apostles spend their retirement years? They, they spent them um, tired and cold and um, persecuted on behalf of Jesus. That's how they spent their retirement um, because their, their job was fishermen and they were able to leave that they were able to leave that profession because they had an exceptionally good run as fishermen. And so they were able to retire from fishing. And then they spent their retirement being uncomfortable and traveling all across the world and ultimately dying. Um, at least three of these four guys that we know of from history, ultimately, ultimately dying because of their um, allegiance to Jesus. Like that, that's pretty still fishing using different bait, catching different things, right? Yes, yes. Um, and that's exactly what Jesus said, right? That's what he said to Peter from now on, you'll be catching men. Um, but I, I do think, you know, Jesus did not leave them, um, he, he didn't ask them to let their family starve, he didn't ask them to, to leave their loved ones in a bad position. Jesus, Jesus knew that, you know, we, we think about these, these first century people, like they, they wouldn't have had any idea about investment or uh, right. interest or and, and Jesus is the one that taught the parable about, should you not have put my money with the bankers and, and gathered interest? I mean, th th those concepts were understood. The, Jesus and these apostles would have known that, you know, this, this money can be used we can use the interest off this money to sustain our family. I like mean, this, there, it was well, would have been well known that this you're taken care of. Yeah. So, so the, the quick math from the retirement guy is if you have 25 years worth of income and you can draw 4% off of that, you can draw that amount every year without touching your principal, right? Just simple math. And so, yeah, that, the, the, somebody, somebody in first century Palestine knew that math too. And, and so, Again, I don't we don't we don't come at that flippantly. The, these people could have were able to walk away with a clear conscience and about the way their families were going to be treated is what I'm saying there. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, do we have enough faith to do the same? 
And that's a really, really hard question is, is because, you know, the, the social, um, social scientists will tell you that we are wired in such a way that there is no number that's enough for us to feel comfortable with. <laughs> like, like there, there, we don't, we don't get to a number and say, no, I'm good. Now that's enough. That is not the way that we are. It's not the way that especially Americans are typically wired. And so, you know, when is the point like these apostles, when we can say, look what Jesus has done. I am richly blessed. Look what Jesus has done. Now, the best way for me to be a steward in God's kingdom, the best way for me to be helpful to Jesus right now is to leave this profession and start um, focusing all of my time on working for him. Man, that is a phenomenal choice. Yeah, and, and, and think about it. We know a few of these people, right, um, in, in our lives that have sold a business and then dumped everything into work in the kingdom. And it's not always, and I think, you know, that's where we get lost a little bit too, is sometimes people think, well, you know, if I get to retirement, I'm not a preacher, so I can't preach. That, that's, you don't have to. <laughs> you know, we've, we've got some, some friends that we love a bunch that, you know, started a 501c3 to help babies, right? You know, there's people that are, you know, doing different things to be helpful because they've been blessed, right? And so when we think about that, you know, most people, so I, I do retirement planning for a living, as most of you know, and, and there's usually a number we're trying to get to. And that number typically is how much income do you need based on your budget? You know, so whatever that number is, we sit out and do a budget, usually with people in their, you know, 40s and 50s and say, all right, when I, Mike, when I can draw, you know, X dollars off of my portfolio, then I can retire. So if that's that number is 59 and a half, 62, 65, 70, whatever that number is, we look and see when those lines cross. But what I've learned in the last 20 years of doing this is that retirement is as much psychological as it is financial. Because I've had all kinds of clients that have retired and gotten bored and don't know what to do with themselves. Because you've been working 40, 50, 60 hours a week since you were 15 or 16 years old. And now you're retired. And it sounds great that I'm going to sit on the back porch and you know, not do anything, you could do that for a week. But then after that, you got to figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to continue to find purpose for yourself. So now you, you let's kind of go back, putting that in context is, you know, what if the purpose is I'm trying to get to a number so that I can be more effective in the kingdom, that if I can get here, now I can be an elder. Now I can you know, go help people on, you know, various evangelistic trips overseas, or I can start, you know, uh, start, manage, maintain, you know, a group because at our congregation, we've got a half a dozen widows and somebody needs to just keep their eyes on them and make sure they're taken care of. So whatever that is that we're good at, I assure you there's a need for it in the kingdom, right? It's just, we got to figure that out and that be part of retirement. But too often what happens is we're tired. That's why we retire. Tires in the middle of that, right? We retire and it's like, you know, I just, I don't want to do anything anymore. I, I've had, unfortunately, multiple people I've talked to that, you know, hey, why don't you teach Bible class anymore? Well, when I retired from work, I just, I don't want to teach anymore. But now you have more time. 
right? You should have more energy. You should have more ability to do that because the Lord's blessed you and put you in a position to be able to retire. But yet it's, I'm retiring from the public service and I'm retiring from the kingdom so that I can just focus on me. And, and I think that again is a misuse of what Jesus does for us, right? If we're being blessed, you know, we, we talk about that all the time right here, that to, to be that funnel, like I've been blessed, God's really taking care of me. So how can I use that to take care of other people? And the greatest gift that we can be given is time, right? I don't have to punch a time clock anymore. I don't have to go to the office anymore. I've got all this time to be able to use for good in the kingdom. You know, shouldn't, shouldn't my focus be on that? I, I think that's the biggest lesson here is that what do we do when we get to the point where we've got time to work in the kingdom? You know, why, why aren't we appreciating that blessing, you know? Yeah, and, and and I think that it it really goes back to something that we've talked about a few times as, as we've done these podcasts, and that is, you know, what is our what is our primary identity? If our if our primary identity is is what profession we have and what our <clears throat> what we're doing economically, we're gonna we have to continue to work because that's who we are. You know, that that's our identity, um, and when we when we lose if we're forced to step away from that, we kind of feel like we've lost who we are. And if our identity is, well, the first thing I am is, is I'm a, is I'm a Christian. The first thing I am is I'm a disciple. And then our whole worldview is with where I am right now, what's the best thing I can do for Jesus. If that's our worldview, then when that moment comes, it, it just, I think it just reframes that whole question. Um, if our whole lives are about what can I best do for Jesus, how can I best be a steward of the things I have for the kingdom? Well, then when this, when this windfall happens, it, it changes, it changes our reaction to that. And it's exactly what it did for the apostles is because, because they had begun to form this identity is, but I do understand that the first thing I need to do is, is hang on to this Jesus character. When I'm able to do that with all of my time, why wouldn't I take advantage of that opportunity? And so, man, I, this, this, this account to me has become so powerful of, I, it, it certainly was an act of faith to go follow this, to go follow Jesus. It, it, it was, but it, it was not an act of complete blind economic submission. We'll just see what, how we're going to make ends meet. Jesus did not ask them in this, in this passage he did not ask them to make that decision. It wasn't, we'll follow Jesus because we know he can provide. It was, we'll follow Jesus because he has provided. And that is a, that, that's a little different uh, context for us as we put ourselves in there. Yeah, I think it, it, it reads different if they retired to follow Jesus. I, I, I think it reads different. It feels different. So let, let me give a couple of goofy disclosures, disclaimers, like dispel some nonsense here right? If you follow Jesus, you're not going to get wealthy. I got to stop that nonsense. There is, you know, I'm sure, you know, there are preachers in pulpits all over the country that have taken that academic paper and said, see, follow Jesus and you'll be wealthy. Well, Paul is the other answer to that because Paul lost all of his stuff when he followed Jesus, right? Remember Paul, very wealthy from a prestigious family, followed the best teacher, you know, graduated top of his class from Harvard equivalent, 
And Paul was penniless and broke because when he left being a Jew, of being a Pharisee of Pharisees, he lost all of that, right? So when we make a decision about Jesus, it's a spiritual decision. Like if you're making financial health and wealth decisions about Jesus, it's nonsense. So let, let's not take the wrong thing out of here. What I will tell you with absolute certainty is we will be provided for. To the level that we're provided for, I don't know. I mean, that, God provides to each of us a different level, a different measure. And even in our country, you know, we talk about, you know, the haves and the have-nots. Understand being born here, you're already better than 62% of the world, right? You know, you're not in a hut in the middle of a village somewhere in Africa. You know, you are economically, even our lowest, you know, economic class here in the United States is far above the majority of the world. So, so let's be clear when we talk about those blessings that we're not complaining with our mouthful about where we are and, and, and how we're getting along. You may not be able to afford, you know, a five bedroom house with three cars, but you having a house and indoor plumbing has got you above a lot of other people. Right. So we've got to kind of try to put that stuff in context. Secondly, it's still a decision that we've all got to make about where our effort and energy go. So I think we can maybe get our mind around being a good steward financially. This one's the one that that, that keeps me up at night, Michael. I mean, this is it. Am I being a good steward of my intellectual capital, my energy, my time, the most valuable resource. The only thing that Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and I have in common is the 24 hours. That's it. It's the only thing we know. But am I, am I really being, am, am I really being a good steward of that, of, of that time, that resource, my energy, when I'm looking at what I'm trying to accomplish and what needs to be accomplished in the kingdom. And if I've got a resource that I've hit my retirement goal. And now Jesus has said, all right, I freed up some more of that time for you. We're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, no, nothing is as easy in, uh, in practice as it is when we got two eggheads talking about an <laughs> academic paper. But, but I do think that, you know, if, if you're listening uh, or, or if you're on this pod, if you're, if you're participating, you're participating. It, it, uh, it, it should give us some pause and we, uh, we, we should, we should really wrestle with it. Um, and it, it should be part of what goes into our decision about retirement and what does that mean? And what does a, what is a, what is a godly retirement of a disciple look like? Um, and uh, I think I think that's that's what I'm going to take away from this passage. Um, Jesus Jesus provided so that the apostles could retire to Him to work in the kingdom. Absolutely, yeah. And, and so here's the thing. So from the again the financial planner guy in the room is we should prepare for both retirements equally. Right. So how do you prepare for retirement from work now? Well, you put money in 401ks, IRAs, you know, you're putting money away for retirement. You're paying into Social Security. You're doing all of those things. 
But when you prepare to retire to the kingdom, what work should we be in in preparing to be an elder or a deacon? Or what work should we be putting in to prepare to be, you know, involved in some type of, um, you know, uh, outreach for benevolence or evangelism efforts? You know, we can take those classes and start doing those things now to prepare ourselves that once we have the time to be able to do it full time, why not start building up the same way instead of, hey, I retired last week. Let me find something to do in the kingdom. No, let's make deposits into the spiritual account as well to start getting ourselves ready. Um, Because we need to be both financially and psychologically and spiritually ready whenever that day comes. Um, and, and, And there's, you know, we talk about, you know, planning for the future and, you know, what we're looking towards. You know, remember, you know, the guy that built the bigger barns, the problem wasn't the fact that he, you know, was blessed and he was was wealthy because he had they had a good bumper crop. The problem was he said, look at what I've done and look at what this is going to do for me. And he was um, I'm trying to think of the exact line. Not there. rich toward God. Not rich toward God. Thank you. Yeah, he's rich toward himself, but not rich toward God. Now, I think that parable ends differently if he says, hey, look, I'm going to tear down these barns. I'm going to build bigger barns so that we can help the benevolent issues in Judea. That parable ends very differently, right? So I think that's got to be part of this too is in the blessings, how are we going to be rich toward God because of this? Yeah. That's the, so, so, so my last word on this would be, I, I heard a, someone I really respect did a, did a lesson one time about how many people in scripture, these, these kind of biographical accounts we have of these Bible characters, how many of them did not end well? How many people, how many people in, in the Bible didn't finish well that oh, they yeah. had, they had faith. Um, they, they did these things for God and yet they didn't finish well. Um, the end of their lives, they, they, uh, slowed down or turned their back on God, or even if it's not that dramatic, it's just clear that they lost their zeal. And so how do we, how do we finish well? And, you know, as you, as you noted, making those deposits into the spiritual account so that when the time comes, we can use the years that God blesses us with, if, if we are blessed to have retirement type years, how do we make sure we finish well? And, um, that I think we, if, if like the apostles, Jesus gives us that opportunity, um, finishing well is, is a, is a pretty lofty and ambitious spiritual target. Absolutely. Yeah. Have, having the time to do the things necessary. Cause I, you know, uh, the, the other passage that as he, you know, takes the apostles out and sends them out on, you know, on both the limited and the extended commissions there is that the fields are ripe, harvesters are few. And, you know, I, that that's the other one that keeps me up is that, you know, there's we're, we're low on harvesters. And if we can if we can be blessed enough to provide the economic value to become a harvester, because now our needs are supported. Need to be. It's got to be something we, we we think about and, and put some mind to. Like I said, that's it's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night when I when I think about this. That you know, hey, 
what, what are we doing to make sure we we prepare both ways? Um, yep, and good so, one to wrestle with. Yeah, and and I think that's like most things. So that's the for those of you that have been listening to podcasts for a while, most of the uh, answers we give you are just more questions. <laughs> it's kind of what we do around here, um, and wrestle with them. But as we've said, as you heard us say before, um, you know you're in good spiritual shape when you're having the wrestling match with yourself. Yeah, um, beware people who give you. Not. Yeah, beware the people that give you all the answers. Would be my comment. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, thank you all again for for tuning in with us. I think we've given you uh, plenty to to wrestle with today. Um, with, with, with those thoughts, um, we'll. Uh, I'll try to throw the link for that academic paper out there for the for the few nerds that that would really love that. Um, I, I know there's a few of you out there that are that are listening that would enjoy that as much as Michael and I did. It's a good um, time. It, it, it's a good time, but you know, full disclosure, it's, I mean, it's an academic paper. <laughs> like, yeah. just, th- those of you looking for a quick read, no, that's, that's not, it's not what this is. Not um, a breezy but read. Cool <laughs> um, but it's cool stuff. We'll try to post that um, with the link to the lesson um, for those of you that are interested. And uh, we're going to, we're going to try to be better about, um, you know, getting more regular with this, uh, but, you know, life gets in the way sometimes uh, and, and we get a little busy. But we're going to try to be a little bit better for, for those of you that are uh, tuning in with us. Um, but thank you. We appreciate you all a bunch, especially time of Thanksgiving. There's a lot to be thankful for. And we're mm-hmm. thankful that uh, you put up with our nonsense. Um, and, I, and I'm thankful for my good partner in crime there in Somerset and uh, being able to bounce these ideas off of each other for going on close to 20 years now of uh, trying to get, get better together. Likewise. Enjoy it, my friend. All right. Thank you all.